4: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Covering the sports betting landscape from coast to coast. This is Betting Across America on BS, the sports betting network.
5: Welcome back. This is our number three of betting across America presented by Bet MGM. Femi Abebefe hanging out here at the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. James Salinas, my man, out in Colorado. And James, the NFL draft approaching 10 days away. What's going to go on with this Jags top pick? We don't know, so I figured that we should bring in someone who is plugged in in Duval County. She is Mia O'Brien, host of 1010 XL Primetime in Jacksonville. Mia, we appreciate you joining us here on this Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to you. And the first question got to go right off of the bat. If you had to guess today, who do you think Jacksonville will take with that number one overall pick?
6: if i had to put a dollar amount on it if i was a betting woman i would say aiden hutchinson the defensive end out of michigan uh just simply because he has the highest floor of any of the edge rushers in this class and it appears by franchise tagging cam robinson that the jaguars believe they are solidified at that left tackle position of course they franchise tagged cam robinson last year they were not able to reach an extension then they believe they will reach an extension before the july 15th deadline Personally, I'm a bit skeptical on that front. <laughs> um, and so that is where I personally believe the door for Evan Neal or Icky Okwondo, who reports have said Doug, uh, Doug Peterson, that is his guy, is icky mm-hmm. uh, I personally believe the door is still open for them. And, of course, if the Jaguars were to trade back, I believe one of those two guys is the pick. But if they are picking at number one overall, it will be Aiden Hutchinson, despite the smoke surrounding Trayvon Walker.
7: Well, and there's the if there. If they take that, do you suspect there might potentially be a chance that they trade away that number one pick to to build some draft capital? Not feeling like this is as deep of a draft. Yes. Aiden Hutchinson pairing him up on the other side with Allen to rush the passer. I mean, formidable pass rush for for the next X amount of years. But do you think there's potential for Jacksonville to trade away that number one pick?
6: They want to, quite simply. And we asked Trent Baalke last month at his free agency availability, of course, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, if if there was a possibility of that. And he just kept reiterating the same phrase he has said since the beginning of January, we are open for business. (laughs) They are more than willing to trade that number one pick away. It's just such a different year where the value of the number one overall pick is so different than what it is in previous years. You're probably not flipping it for an additional first-round pick. You can flip first-round picks with somebody – you're not going to get anything additionally from next year or the following year. Could you get a second or a third this year plus a second or a third next year? I believe so, and that's where I think, as much as Trent Bulky is all about value, that is value in a draft class like this one that is pretty deep, albeit not at the top.
5: We are speaking with Mia O'Brien, host of 1010XL Primetime in Jacksonville. Mia believing that Aiden Hutchinson will be the top pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars over at BetMGM. Hutchinson minus 175. We've seen a lot of steam in the market towards Georgia pass rusher Trayvon Walker at plus 140, looking like a coin flip according to the betting market. But you mentioned general manager Trent Balke and Doug Peterson, head coach, in his first year down there in Duval County. Is this decision solely Balke's to make, or will Doug Peterson also have impact on what they do? do with the number one pick because you mentioned Peterson might like Ikia Kwanu
6: yeah so that's the interesting part is I think Trent Bulky, all the pressure is on him because if it is his guy and he gets it wrong he will be shown the door at the end of the twenty two twenty two season Doug Peterson is pretty safe right now if you know what I mean yeah. uh quite simply because he's normal and he's like a functioning adult. <laughs> you know what I mean uh and that's a breath of fresh air in the building around here in Duval County um so he's okay, regardless of who he picks. Um, but Trent Baalke, if he was to you know, slam the table for Trayvon Walker, which many reports suggest he is, simply because the measurables and the combine numbers for Walker are pretty similar to some of the guys he took in the first round back when he was the general manager for five seasons out in San Francisco, whether that's Alden Smith, who's drawn probably the most comparisons to any of those other guys he took out there. Trayvon Walker has that same length, that same quick first step, that same versatility. He could go inside, outside whatever you want to say. Of course, the body of work actually isn't that large because he really wasn't a starter for the University of Georgia until November. And so that's where some people also have some concerns. Is this simply a combine crush? Um, But in the end, I think that bulky is going to take the safe pick and go with Aiden Hutchinson, who for what what it's worth, also can align in multiple fronts. And that is what first-year defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell has said. He is hoping to organize and create here in Jacksonville, just like he and Todd Bowles did in Tampa Bay.
7: Mia, let's talk about this team as a whole now with the, the Urban Meyer experiment, short experiment <laughs> that it was. Now that is behind the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise and moving forward, like you mentioned, with Doug Peterson. Uh, can you just talk a little bit about the, beyond that distraction of what last year looked like for this Jacksonville Jaguars team, now having trying to get some better stability and better culture there with Doug Peterson at the helm and offensive-minded coach for sure. But looking at where they stand, do the Jacksonville Jaguars in the AFC? south and trying to climb up the ladder get ahead of the texans and compete there with the colts and the titans for potentially trying to make some noise within that division changeover from the coaching staff as well as now having top picks again this year in the draft what's the what what is the optimism like right now for this team heading into 2022
6: so, I wasn't here in 2017, but from what everyone who was here has told me, it's a very similar vibe where the Jaguars went out and spent money. Because don't forget, before that 2017 AFC Championship run, they signed Calais Campbell, they signed AJ Boyer to very lucrative contracts that season, off season before. Then they had a draft class that obviously featured Leonard Fournette at the top, it featured Cam Robinson in the second round. Um, so, Uh, Obviously you had two starters right then and there. Um, So if the Jaguars are able to hit on starters in the first and second round, and even with their two third round picks, now we're looking at something similar. But from what everyone said in 2017, the vibe was, okay, we're going to be functional. And that's, that's a good thing. And that's kind of how we feel right now. It's going to be functional. Um, personally, I expect Trevor to take a giant leap just because of the head on his shoulders and simply because he weathered the storm of literally having his head coach, his quarterback's coach, his passing coordinator, and his offensive coordinator all being on different pages. Uh, and the head coach is literally blaming the other three because they're all on different pages. Uh, so, so yeah, he's gotten through that. So. I personally believe once everyone is on the same page, which Doug Peterson's an adult, so they will all be on the same page, that in and of itself is worth two to three wins. Then you figure Trevor's jump that he's going to make, like we see so many quarterbacks make, that's worth two to three wins. Then you throw in the fact that he is going to have a healthy Travis Etienne knock on wood, and that becomes a security blanket, in addition to having more proven tight ends like Evan Ingram and now Dan Arnold in his second season in Jacksonville, that also adds you a win or two. So now we're looking at seven six seven eight wins which for this franchise that is the next step in the right direction that they need to take um and so the question now becomes are they ahead of those other three teams in the division indianapolis loaded up everybody they possibly could get but of course they kind of did that last year when they bet the house on carson wentz and then of course the jaguars eliminated them and beat them at home for the seventh straight season the jim ursay video from the tarmac if you haven't seen it go watch it (laughs) Um, It gives me life whenever I'm feeling down about myself. Um, So the Colts are going to get at least at home because that's just like weird voodoo. I don't know who buried what dead bodies, but like that, that's happening. So that's a win. The Titans, of course, have had the Jaguars number ever since Mike Braybill became the head coach. That's a tough one to overcome. Derek Henry is, of course, from here in the Jacksonville area. Uh, I don't know if it's, if it's that or what it is, but for whatever the reason, they just tend to be a bad, bad matchup. Even if Ryan Tannehill was to continue, in my opinion, to regress. Uh, Houston. If you would asked anybody in Jacksonville at this time last year, they would have told you that that game against the Texans home opener or season opener last year, that was a dub. No question. That was a dub. <laughs> Houston was supposed to be the worst team in the NFL. And what happened? Oh, the Texans beat the Jaguars by three touchdowns. So um, that's the big question mark. What are the Texans going to be? Because that in turn could turn around. Okay, if the Jags get two wins there, if they're able to somehow sweep the Colts, they won the division in 2017, not beating the Titans. So you could still... Consider that, you know, hey, we can make the wild card can still probably win the division if weird things happen. Um, so that's where in terms of how competitive they can be in the division. I think they're going to be functional. They're going to be middle of the road, um, which for this franchise is huge. But in terms of competing actually for a division title, it's going to depend on how all of the other three teams look.
5: I mean, that's interesting the way you kind of outline it there with the AFC South is clearly a division that is gettable of Indianapolis standing out as kind of like the favorite in that division over at BetMGM MGM because you like this team to possibly go over their win total of six and a half is where the odds makers at BetMGM MGM have it. But how about I throw out the P word playoffs right now, plus 400 for the Jacksonville Jaguars to make the playoffs at BetMGM. MGM. Would you maybe take a flyer on that if Trevor Lawrence is able to take that next step in year two?
6: I'm going to throw a number at you and the dates may be a little bit off, but I looked at this last week on April 8th or whatever day I was looking last week or 10th or whatever day it was on that day in 2021, the Cincinnati Bengals were plus 400 to make the playoffs and we saw that one turned out. Obviously, I don't think the Jaguars are picking a wide receiver in the first round, quite like Jamar Chase and the Bengals were able to do that last year. I was all aboard the Sewell train. I'm like, Joe Burrow is working on one leg and you're drafting a wide receiver. What are you doing? Uh, there are plenty of folks here in Jacksonville, including some of my colleagues at 1010XL that are, you know, banging the table, saying they should draft Jamison Williams number one overall because he wow. is the next Jamar Chase. Um so I, you, they're apples and oranges, but they are fruit. Could I see the Jaguars, you know, making a Super Bowl? I'm not trying to say that. But I'm saying Bengals are plus 400 last year. Lightning can strike twice, right? Right?
5: Yeah, hey, it's the NFL, and anything can happen. It's why we love it. Parody is the name of the game in the NFL. She is Mia O'Brien, host of 1010XL Primetime in Jacksonville. Mia, it was your first time on VEASAN, I believe, but absolutely stellar debut. We'll love to have you again in the future.
6: Yeah, I'm going to dress up a little bit nicer next time. At least I'm <laughs> supporting some of our 1010XL 10, 10 brands. So, like, I'm a, at least I'm doing that on this fine uh, Easter Sunday. Casual at best. Thanks for having me, guys.
5: There we go. Happy Easter, Mia. Appreciate you joining us here this morning out on the West Coast. A lot of good nuggets from that, James, for about the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially in terms of the NFL draft. Interesting that Mia's
7: very confident that it's Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Your thoughts? I think the biggest thing is, if they keep the number one pick, yep. that's the key, right? I, I agree. I, we've a lot of talk early in the, the the speculation of the draft going to the tackle, but now with Cam Robinson being franchise, he's secured that left tackle position. I do. I think it's Aiden Hutchton at the number one, but we got to make sure that they keep yeah. that pick. Get yeah, more draft it, capital. This is still a roster that needs a lot of depth to it. So uh, the, the potential is always there to trade away that number one that number one pick. Yeah, if
5: they keep that pick, Hutchinson could be very good value at minus 175. On the other side, our road to the draft going to Cleveland. And to help us do that, John Doss, sports anchor at WEWS in Cleveland,
8: will join the show. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMG. This is Betty Across America on V the Sports Betty Network.
5: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love at BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 20 or older and physically located in. In Nevada, please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back. This is Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. MGM and Bebefe Ron, alongside James Salinas out there in Colorado. And James, Throughout the offseason, we've been going on this road to the draft, the draft being 10 days away, and our road has now taken a stop in northeast Ohio, where we bring in our next guest, John Doss, sports anchor over at WEWS in Cleveland. John, we had you on during the NFL season. We're glad to have you here in the offseason. Appreciate you joining us on this Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to you and yours. First question, got to start with the once QB1 for the Browns. What went wrong with Baker Mayfield's tenure in Cleveland?
8: Let's not forget, Baker Mayfield's still a member of the Cleveland Browns. How much longer, we don't know. Femi, you know all roads lead to uh, to (laughs) Cleveland, by the way. Uh, Yeah, man, Baker Mayfield uh, bet on himself. And oftentimes, you like to see players do that. Sometimes it doesn't work out. It didn't work out for Baker Mayfield. He got upset when the team was pursuing Deshaun Watson. He asked for a trade. I think Baker Mayfield overvalued himself, right, on the NFL marketplace, especially at a time when teams were already filling those vacancies at quarterback. The pool got so much smaller, and every step of the way, Baker Mayfield has made it more and more difficult for a team to sign him.
7: So, John, thinking about the quarterback moves and whatever that looks like for for Mayfield in this offseason and when he gets moved and where he goes, Thinking about Deshaun Watson now, and, uh, you know, I don't know if the Haslam's endeared themselves to the other owners in the league with the guarantee that they gave Deshaun Watson with that contract to come over from Houston, but how is this playing out right now? Because we know all the things going on off the field for Deshaun Watson. We know his talent when he's on the field and a tremendous player that he is, but off the field, how is that playing out right now? And and trying to think about what this the culture of this team is going to look like, and what Stefanski is going to have to manage. Because I thought Stefanski, in his first year there, had a lot of things that, a lot of dysfunction that he had to had to work through as a as that first co- as the uh, first year as the head coach there a couple years back. Now he's going to have to weather the storm with some of the issues going on with Deshaun Watson off the field. Is this something that Stefanski can manage in this locker room and to that fan base? there in Cleveland to, to deal with all the distractions that Deshaun Watson is going to bring off the field?
8: I don't know that D and Jimmy Haslam are endearing themselves to many people, let alone the just ownership around the NFL, right with the guaranteed money. This is a decision uh, for this team that a lot of the fan base has not been on board with. And this is a fan base that has stuck through this team through the leanest decades, maybe in professional sports history. One in 31 for two years, they threw a parade. This is where a lot of the fans have, drawn the line in the sand, right? A lot of fans are turning their back on this organization. But you guys know as well as I know, Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, they understand this city. They understand the NFL. If you win, nothing else matters. All those people that have jumped ship will be back if this team can win mm-hmm. and put itself in the postseason and be a legitimate contender, which I think we all agree with the skill position players they have. They're already in place, bringing in Deshaun Watson, provided he's not suspended half the season. This is a team that can really contend, but that's the big question mark. Is Deshaun Watson going to play 17 games for this team this season, or is he going to play 11, or is he going to play nine? We don't know that answer yet. A lot of the legal process still has to play out. A lot of it isn't going to play out until 2023. So is this going to be the Tom Brady route? Is he going to play all season? Then maybe get suspended at the beginning of next season. Those are all still questions we don't have answers for.
5: We're speaking with John Doss, sports anchor at WEWS in Cleveland. And I think that's a very fair point there with terms of there's no answers, John, with this Deshaun Watson thing. But I find it hard to believe that the league is going to let that kind of hover over the early portion of the season. There, It's like if almost from a PR standpoint, it feels like. Watson's probably going to be suspended to some degree here in 2022.
8: Do you agree? I think that you're right on the money. I think that's what all of us believe. There's no way the NFL can let the Browns trot Deshaun Watson out there without some resolution. And I think the Browns fully expect there will be a suspension. It's why they have focused so much of their attention on the backup quarterback so far this offseason. They brought in Jacoby Brissett, uh, just recently signed Josh Dobbs people that would maybe fit that Deshaun Watson mold more than Case Keenum might have as a backup quarterback. That's been a focus for them because I do believe Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski believe Jacoby Brissett is going to probably have to start a handful of games for them this year.
7: So let's talk about the offense, then the identity of this offense for the Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Watson under center, although he typically likes to be in the shotgun. I think for Stefanski, (laughs) the identity of these last two years for the Browns was tremendous offensive line, very physical run blocking team, great tandem with Hunt and Chubb, being able to really pound teams into submission over the course of four quarters. But now you bring in Deshaun Watson, you bring in Amari Cooper, changing the identity of what this team is from that run heavy type of uh, offense to. Now with Deshaun Watson, he didn't pay him all that guaranteed money for him to hand the football off and throw play action on third down. What do you anticipate the the challenge and the change for Stepanski with his first couple of years there in Cleveland to now with this new talent on the offensive side?
8: Yeah, they're gonna have to structure something new. And I'm a firm believer, and we've seen it in this division now for the last few years. Baltimore structured an entire offense around its quarterback and, and it's been certainly in the regular season, incredibly successful. I think Kevin Stefanski understands he's going to have to tailor this offense more towards Deshaun Watson's skill set while also acknowledging you still have four-fifths of that starting offensive line in place this year. You still have inarguably the best running back tandem in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in the NFL, much like you can't pay Deshaun Watson to uh, turn around and hand the football off, you can't pay Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to go out there and, and pass block on every possession too. This is going to have to be a, a massive undertaking this offseason for Kevin Stefanski. An undertaking I know he's already begun in, in tailoring an offense that can utilize both Deshaun Watson's skill set as a passer and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. John,
5: I, I want to get to Baker Mayfield here in just a second, but I want to ask you a question about the Browns in terms of their odds to win the AFC North because right now they are the favorites and with us anticipating a Deshaun Watson suspension potentially do you think Cleveland should be the favorite to win the division in 2022
8: well remind me Femi, are, are they is the over under nine and a half for them this year yep it's around nine and a half and I think Baltimore is probably right around the same yep and nine and a half for me is that number that you put up when you really have no idea what a team is going to do because this is a team really if if Deshaun Watson plays 17 regular season games for this team and they win 13 or 14 of them none of us are surprised Mm -hmm. we're also not going to be terribly surprised if Deshaun is suspended for six or eight games in this season then what can Jacoby Brissett give you how does the how does the schedule shake up in the first half of the season for the Browns is it favorable that Jacoby could maybe get you a handful of rents We really have no idea if Deshaun Watson, after not playing for a year, can come in and seamlessly fit into what is going to be a brand new system. Nine and a half seems like nothing for this team with the players around them.
7: John, Femi mentioned Baker Mayfield. There's reports that potentially he might be traded, whatever his draft capital is remaining. I don't know if there's much leverage for the Browns in trying to move Baker Mayfield for much other thing than maybe a late-round draft pick here, but potentially going to Carolina. What are you hearing about a potential landing spot for Baker Mayfield at this point?
8: Yeah, it feels like Carolina, Seattle, um, you know, maybe, Indy. these are the only real options, right? Baker Mayfield hit the market, or... Relatively hit the market about a week too late, you know, unfortunately for him. And I think that's where he overplayed his hand is that all of these things were already in place when he decided, hey, I'm going to ask out of Cleveland. So those to me feel like the three best landing spots. But I really have no idea because, in terms of trade value, what value does Baker Mayfield have at $18 million unless you guys are going to chip in with the Haslam and pay a large (laughs) portion of that salary? I don't know who's jumping. Uh, jumping on the wagon here to take Baker Mayfield for 18 million bucks.
5: Yeah, it, it almost feels like the Browns are going to also have to send a draft pick along with Baker Mayfield to whichever team yeah. they trade him to, which is not really what you see with the former first overall pick at quarterback. What could Cleveland possibly get in return for Baker? Is this going to maybe be a day three draft pick at
8: best? Yeah, I don't think that they're, they're getting much in return. And it's not just a draft pick they're going to have to send that way. They're going to have to send a good portion of that salary. Because $18 million is a lot of money for a team that's going to maybe be renting Baker Mayfield for one season. I don't know how many teams are looking at Baker Mayfield as a franchise guy at this point. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the talent level to still be that. I think he does. But there are so many other off-the-field issues with Baker that I don't know that teams are lining up for this. They're going to have to send draft capital and cash.
5: Yeah, it is going to be a fascinating next 10 days here to see if Baker gets moved before the draft on draft weekend or maybe after the draft if if a team strikes out in terms of the quarterbacks in this year's draft. He is John Doss, sports anchor at WEWS in Cleveland. John, we appreciate you joining us here on this Easter Sunday. Hope all is well for you out there in
8: Cleveland, and we'll talk soon. Anytime, guys. We'll do it again. All right, awesome stuff there
5: from John here. As we got 30 minutes left in the show, James, which means we're going to bring in our buddy Adam Burke in studio on an Easter Sunday, talking NBA, MLB, and whatever else Adam wants to chat about here. This is Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Don't go away.
0: This is Betting Across America on vSense, the Sports Betting Network.
5: The NFL Draft is right here in Las Vegas, and we'll have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans, Michael Lombardi, a former NFL GM, will give his draft analysis. VEASAN host Mike Pritchard, who was a first-round pick, and Sean King, a Super Bowl champion, will give you insights on what you can bet on also legendary sports broadcaster and voice of the Las Vegas Raiders. Brent Musburger will give his draft best bets in our NFL Draft Betting Guide. Sign up today to get full access to VEASAN through the NFL Draft for only $19 at VEASAN.com draft. Welcome back. This is betting across America presented by bet MGM. Femi Bebefe hanging out here at the VEASAN studios at the South Point hotel and casino. James Salinas out in the Rocky mountains in Colorado, always with us here on a Sunday and James it's 1130. So, we got a guest in studio, our guy Adam Burke here, VEASAN writer and host of The Run Line, which is later this evening with Ben Wilson. We'll touch on that here with the MLB slate. But, Adam, uh, we we're talking a little NBA playoffs day two going on. We got four game ones, one of them in progress, Miami Heat absolutely destroying the Atlanta Hawks 70-46 to 46 here. But a series that could be lopsided as well, New Orleans Pelicans and the Phoenix Suns here. The Suns minus 2,000 on the series price Pelicans 10 to one over at Bet MGM. How do we try to find some value and play this series?
9: Yeah, I mean, I think for today, the Pelicans plus the points aren't that bad of an idea. You know, yesterday we saw Minnesota, a team that's obviously playing at a very, very high level right now. But a team that's been fighting for that, for its playoff life for a long period of time. And they just kept that momentum rolling and played a very crisp game against Memphis. Phoenix, look, they haven't had to care a whole lot lately. For them, it was just about accumulating as many wins as possible just to kind of pad their record. But now they're going to face, obviously, a highly motivated team, a lesser opponent to be sure, but a team in the Pelicans that's been forced to kind of play at its best for as long as it possibly can. You kind of wonder if maybe the Suns
7: start a little bit sluggish here today. Well, and to your point, thinking about these teams that have played through the play in round, and and in this case here for the Pelicans, having played two games to get to this point with the Suns, bringing some momentum into that game, and uh, more so than the fatigue. I think what we're seeing right now, fellas, is we're seeing Trey Young in this game here as, as Atlanta's getting getting run off the floor by the Heat. That Trey Young, it, he looks tired, and they've been switching every screen out out, out there on him and, and dipping bodies out there to defend. And I think Trey Young is settling for bad shots, having really struggling from the floor. But in the case for the Pelicans, this is the team that is not all predicated on just one player having to make plays. We've seen that now with McCollum coming over in the midseason trade or right around the all-star break coming over and and giving some relief for Brandon Ingram. So the two of those two being able to create shots for each other and kind of trade off possessions here. To your point here, what are we thinking with the Pelicans when it comes to the offense now that McCollum, that we've seen him as a Pelican as opposed to what he was with Dame and kind of the understudy in Portland. Yeah,
9: James, I think it's a really good point, you know, because as you said, Trey Young just looks tired here and, and honestly a blowout's not the worst thing in the world for the Hawks in game one, because now Trey Young's going to play what maybe 26, 28 minutes, something like that. So he should be fresher for game two. But as you said, while the Pelicans don't have a Trey Young, they have kind of a more balanced style of play to where if one guy is bad or one guy is tired in this game today, they're not wholly dependent on him. So guess not. I mean, I think Pelicans plus the 10 and a half, maybe not a bad look, maybe Pelicans first half, something like that. Uh, but once Phoenix kind of gets into the flow of the series, uh, they should absolutely dominate it.
5: We're speaking with Adam Burke here, VEASAN host and VEASAN writer. And this series – I'm trying to figure out a way to play it because I don't want to lay minus2,000 there with Phoenix now you can do a series spread Phoenix minus one and a half games in the series minus 450 that feels like I mean this game I would be stunned if it went six games there but it's the NBA you never know what could happen there Phoenix in a sweep plus 210 or maybe Phoenix to win game one and to win the series at minus 450 as well do any of those intrigue you there are some t- potentially different ways versus paying that punitive series price which is minus 2000.
9: Yeah, absolutely. You always want to look for the different options and the different ideas that are out there. And you know, look, as you said, if you don't think that this is a long series, you can play around with minus two and a half games, minus one and a half games, something like that to cut into that vague a little bit. Because, look, I mean, they are 10 and a half point favorite today. they will be a 10 and a half point favorite or thereabouts in game two, depending mm-hmm. on what happens. And they will still be a clear road favorite in the games that are down in NOLA. So, you know, it's a situation to me where. Look, if you're going to go ahead and think that Phoenix is going to dominate this series, which is kind of what we all think, maybe not dominate today, but dominate as the series goes along, then absolutely a minus one and a half, minus
7: two and a half makes some sense. Adam, let's get your perspective on the game that's going to tip off here in roughly about an hour with the Celtics hosting the Brooklyn Nets. Plenty of storylines within this series for these teams with the star power on both sides here. Uh, looking at this opening game with Brooklyn having, in a sense, having had a playoff game under their belt already with that play-in win back the, uh, earlier this week to put them in this position into this seventh seed. Uh, they're a four-and-a-half-point underdog in this case. I did take the, the Nets plus the four-and-a-half length $0.15 just for a half a unit, just to start to get a feel for this series. How do you feel about this game one matchup? And then where do you stand with this series overall?
9: Yeah, I mean, look, 11 and five in the last 16 games for Brooklyn here is they've kind of gotten to look more like the team that we expected them Mm -hmm. to be. Obviously, you know, Kyrie Irving and kind of the the moving goalposts in terms of COVID and and being vaccinated and all that, you know, with Kyrie able to play a lot more, he's obviously been a very, very important piece of this team. We, of course, saw that the other night uh, in that play in game. But also, too, I mean, are people kind of dismissing the Celtics a little bit coming into the playoffs here? Because they are looking at Brooklyn and saying, yeah, this is a Brooklyn team that looks like that we expected them to. No, they're not a seven seed. They're more of a, you know, probably three or four seed if all things were created equal in the regular season. But Boston's a team that played very well throughout most of the year. They kind of had their ups and downs as well. But to me, I look at a Boston team and just sort of wonder if maybe they're a little bit underpriced, a little bit disrespected here, just with the
5: perception of the Nets coming into the playoffs. Do you think this is a long series? Because that's what it looks like to me. I mean, I I would be stunned if this was over in four or five games. So to me, it almost feels like a series. And we talked about this earlier on the show is whichever side you like, bet that team to win in six or seven and get those plus 350 plus 400 kind of prices.
9: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense as well. And and as you said, I mean, I I would expect this to be a long series. I mean, look, game one is Boston minus four. You know, game two is probably going to be in a similar boat, depending on if there are injuries or something like that which means what you're probably looking at a pick them or maybe nets minus one, minus two when they get mm-hmm. back home. So we should have very competitive games in this series, which will be a breath of fresh air because it doesn't really look like most of these first round series will be all that competitive. Yeah.
7: Adam, so let's go back to yesterday and your assessment of any of those four games that we saw, where those current series prices have adjusted to based on any of these series that you saw. We've talked about Luka and potentially maybe coming back onto the court for the Mavs, probably not tomorrow in game two, but maybe at some point in Utah, although we'll see how healthy he is if and when he does come back. But either that series or the Grizzlies and the great, the, the tremendous game that we saw for a full four quarters from the T-Wolves on the road. Anything, any takeaways from yesterday of the four matchups that That you saw that you might want to get in involved in a series adjusted price
9: yeah look obviously minnesota is a different team than they were early on in the year but i mean look they scored 130 points they looked about as good as you could possibly look in that game yesterday against memphis memphis has been a great team throughout the regular season they've been a very balanced team even with john morant being the star of that bunch i think coming back on memphis now from a series price standpoint is not a particularly bad idea You would expect some regression to the mean there as i said minnesota played about as good as they could possibly play was that their best game of the series if so you've got to think memphis is in good shape here even though now they have to win four of the next six games the other one not that a series price is is really worth taking but golden state looked so good yesterday you know and, and that game was not nearly as close as the 16 point final would suggest can denver bounce back and turn this thing into a series I don't know if that's going to be a possibility for them, given how Golden State looked. So that's a serious price. I think I'll kind of be following. If Denver finds a way to take
5: game two, gets it back home at 1-1, maybe at that point you go ahead and take the Warriors. Yeah, also who looks really good is the Miami Heat. 79-53, they lead it late in the third quarter. Every time I look at the monitor, I'm like, oh, they're out running out in transition. Great. I don't know what Atlanta's doing there. Trey Young, one of 12 from the field. So he definitely looks gassed here. Um, Another series price that I thought is really intriguing, I think it's probably flummoxed some of the odds makers as well, is this Utah and Dallas series. Like James mentioned, Luka Doncic, Adrian Wojnarowski just reported about 30 minutes ago that he is unlikely for game two versus Utah on Monday. He hasn't been ruled out just yet, but would have to make dramatic improvement in the next 24 hours to play in game two with that left calf strain. So if Luca doesn't play in both of these games, but he returns in game three, would you take a shot on Dallas at a big, big price? 0-2 in the series with Luca coming back in uh, game three.
9: No, I don't think I would. I mean, look, you know, Salt Lake city is not Denver in terms of elevation, but it will be tough to play those two playoff games there. And if you go to Salt Lake city down 2-0. You basically have to take both of them. And I don't yeah. know if Dallas is going to be able to do that with Doncic back or not. And even if he plays to what degree is he playing 75%, 80%, you know, maybe at most who knows. So I think it'd be very, very tough. The thing that was interesting about that first game, I know we're running out of time for the segment, but ninety-three, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of a slower pace, slow scoring game, stuff like that. That's the style of play that Utah was really good at a few years ago. They are comfortable in that environment. If it's going to be a low scoring atmosphere And if that's what Dallas is going to be forced to play without Doncic, they're playing a team that's very well-versed in that style. I don't think it's – now at this point, I don't know if they have a chance in the series.
5: Yeah, it's going to be a tough hill to climb there for the Dallas Mavericks, which is unfortunate. Like, it was game 82. Lucas suffers that calf strain and that completely flips – the dynamic of that series. I think a lot of people like Dallas to win that series and maybe give Phoenix a run for their money in the second round, but it looks like Dallas will have its hands full here in the first round, down 0-1, looking at Luka not playing in game two. On the other side, Adam's going to hang with us for another segment. We'll talk a little baseball. Got more games getting underway later on this afternoon as we go to the Diamond here on Betting Across America.
8: America on vSense, the
4: Sports Betting Network.
5: BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code VSIN200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 Moneyline wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run regardless of your outcome's bet or bet's outcome, I should say. Enjoy baseball like never before. BetMGM all season long. Sign up today with the king of sportsbooks. Eligibility restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. Welcome back. This is the final segment of betting across America presented by Bet MGM Femi alongside James Linus out there in Colorado Adam Burke in studio with us for two segments as we close things out here on an Easter Sunday and as we turn our attention to the Major League Baseball slate before we dive deep into it. I want to ask you Adam, about if anything has really surprised you over this week in change here early on in this MLB regular season.
9: Yeah, there have been a few surprises. I mean, look, you know, you look up and down the standings and just about every team's lost at least three games already. The only ones that haven't are Chicago and then St. Louis, St. Louis and then three teams out in the West. And the West is actually really interesting to me, the National League West, because Colorado is off to a 6-2 and two start. And I look—I didn't have very high hopes for the Rockies for this season. I, I did lean over their season win total just because they play really well at home. But they've got the best bullpen by f War Fangraphs' calculation of wins above replacement player in all of Major League Baseball right now. As I wrote about in my article today, though, that will not continue. <laughs> but Colorado's been a really, really big surprise here. And uh, James has had you know, probably more of a firsthand look at it than I have. But you know, the Rockies have played really, really well here so far. That's been surprising. But I really like to try and dig in on those teams that are overperforming, that are potentially going to be a little bit overvalued in the marketplace. And I think mm-hmm. Colorado could be one of them as we go forward here. So I'll sing their praises now, but I'll definitely look to be fading them here sooner rather than later.
7: Adam, I want to get your perspective. We talked about this last week with a couple of pitchers coming back from injury, in particular, Syndergaard and Verlander. We saw that matchup last Saturday in in Anaheim uh, against the Angels and both pitchers pitched very well looking at Syndergaard his second start yesterday going against Texas learning how to pitch he's not going to have those triple digit fireballs anymore just to blow hitters away he's threw a lot of change up in his first outing against the Astros last week and not going to be the same strikeout pitcher that he had but induced a lot of ground balls he's gotten 24 ground ball outs so far this season in his two starts as opposed to 11 fly ball outs talk about Syndergaard's performance and then Verlander last night being able to come out stretched his arm out a little bit more was absolutely dominant there in Seattle because I think both of these pitchers are really good for baseball to get back out on the diamond when they're healthy give me your assessment on both of those pitchers so far this season
9: Yeah, I mean, look, for Syndergaard, as you said, I think he's got five strikeouts in 11 and a third inning, so he has lost a lot of that swing and miss stuff, and maybe it comes back. You know, the last thing to come back for an injured pitcher is usually command. Velocity will come back. They'll get stronger. They'll go through the rehab process and all of that, but actually spotting their pitches and commanding them in the zone. That's what takes time to come back. So for Syndergaard, it's good that he's keeping the ball down in the zone, inducing a lot of those ground balls. The angels are not a great defensive team, but they're average enough around the infield to you know be able to play that kind of style where if Syndergaard is keeping the ball on the ground, they can convert those into outs. We'll see how he does going forward. I'm not a huge fan of low strikeout rate guys in Major League Baseball nowadays, but you know with the shift still in play and all of that, Syndergaard can survive. But Justin Verlander yesterday, eight innings, I think he threw 86 pitches. He struck out eight, looked completely dominant. The stuff is back. The curveball looks really, really good. The velocity is there. Uh, The guy's just a freak. I mean, not only that, he's also going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, at least in my estimation. So really good to see Verlander. But the thing about injuries, the guys coming back are big stories. But, man, we've got a ton of pitcher injuries. We're going to talk about that on the run line here tonight. But a lot of guys hurt and significant injuries at that with guys like John Means, Casey Mize, a couple of injuries in the American League. Uh, Look, it's just going to be a thing all year long, just keeping an eye on the injuries and, and trying to look for injury indicators, which is something that I like to do.
5: We're hanging out with Adam Burke here in studio at the South Point Hotel and Casino. VEASAN Ryder, and, and VEASAN host of the run line, like you mentioned, 8 to 10 Eastern time. Is that correct? Yes, sir. You and Ben Wilson. Yes, sir. Make sure to tune into that. All you baseball junkies out there. Let's dive into today's slate here. We've gone through about half of it. Wanted to get to the second half with you and get your thoughts on some of these games. Cincinnati Reds are in L.A. taking on the Dodgers. Arguably the best team in baseball when you look at the talent on their team. Dodgers minus 225 on the money line, plus 180. The total hovering at eight and a half. The juice on the over minus 120. Your thoughts, Reds, Dodgers?
9: Yeah, look, Andrew Heaney looked really, really good in his first start for the Dodgers. I believe that was against the Twins. Uh, look, Heaney's a guy that when he's out there, he's very effective, but he's always in the trainer's room. There's always something wrong with him. So as long as he's out there, he should be a reliable and valuable pitcher for the Dodgers. But Tyler Molly on the other side, pitching for Cincinnati, if you look at his home road splits, they are very significant. He was awful at home last year. He was very, very good on the road. I took him in the first five against Atlanta on opening day. That was a plus 160 that came through. I don't know if I'd be as excited about it here against a lineup like the Dodgers, where you just don't really get any kind of break. Uh, But Molly is a guy that, on the road will be worth backing for this Reds team. There aren't a lot of guys worth backing for this Reds team. Hunter Green threw 39 pitches of 100 miles per hour or more yesterday. Other than that, they don't have a whole lot of reliable arms. So we'll see how Molly does today. They don't have a very good bullpen, and the lineup is not very good. So I couldn't do anything with them today. But the guy I'm watching is Heaney to see how Mm -hmm. effective he is and how long he can actually be healthy for Los Angeles.
7: What about let's look at the Astros. Finally completing this season-long road trip, haven't been at home. Neither them or the Oakland A's have actually had a home start as of yet. But for the Astros, looking to cap off a pretty successful start to the season, you got Heredia on the mound today. I don't know much about Matt Brash, young pitcher getting this. I think it's just going to be his second start with the Mariners. Have you looked at this? Because it's basically a pick 'em game. It's one ten either way, is what I'm seeing out here in Colorado. Any interest in getting involved with the Astros and the Mariners today?
9: This is one I thought a lot about, actually, and it just didn't make the cut for me because I'm not really sure what to expect from Houston today. Jeremy Peña is not going to play. Jordan Alvarez has COVID, or he's on the COVID list at least, so he won't be out there for the Astros in this game either. So their lineup will look a little bit different. That's a hardship with handicapping Sunday MLB across the board. Matt Brash is a guy with elite-level raw stuff. Throws very hard. The spin rates on his secondary pitches are off the charts. He has a ton of upside, a ton of potential, pitched well against the White Sox in his first start. Now he gets another lineup, though, that doesn't strike out a lot. In fact, the Astros had the lowest K percentage in all of Major League Baseball by by about 1.5%, I think, last year. So he gets a lineup that doesn't strike out a lot. When he faces a lineup that will swing and miss a lot, he's going to be worth backing. So not today, but Matt Brash is a guy, as we go forward here, when he faces a lineup that he can overpower, keep them from putting balls in play – I think he has a ton of upside. The thing about Jose or Kitty, and the reason I couldn't play this game. He's an extreme flyball guy, which should play well at T-Mobile Park. But the Mariners have some guys with some power. They've underperformed so far offensively. Mm-hmm. If that kind of evens out a little bit for them, they'll get things going. So I think the pick'em line is right for this game. I think the total of seven and a half kind of leaned under a little bit, but I didn't want to lay, you know, minus 20. Or I didn't want to lay the 20 cents on the under seven and a half, uh, not with a couple of lineups that are talented.
5: Not to turn this into Mariners Minute here, me being a Seattle guy, mm-hmm. but Matt Brash, all the people in Seattle absolutely rave mm-hmm. about this Matt Brash kid. It, like He's like the guy, essentially. We'll see how that comes to fruition. But you mentioned the Mariners bats. They've been cool, though. I mean, Friday, opening day in Seattle, they 11 runs on the Houston Nationals, and they get shut out yesterday. Is this Mariners offense? I mean, is this a problem going forward as they're four and five through nine games, a team that a lot of people love heading into this season?
9: I don't know if it's necessarily a problem. I think it's really important early on in the season to apply context, right? So they played in Minnesota and Chicago. Cold-weather cities, you know, that we saw the wind game the other day in Chicago where pop-ups were just blowing all over the place. And then they go home where it's hard to hit. You know, now Texas comes to town. If they don't hit Texas Tuesday through Thursday with the bad pitching staff that the Rangers have – then I'd start to maybe get a little bit worried. But I think for them, it's just they've played in two cold-weather cities. It's hard to hit the ball in cold weather. You know, I I was actually looking at this with the Cleveland Guardians today about how bad their offensive numbers are at home in March and April because the ball just doesn't carry. So I think that their offense is is a lot better than what we've seen so far. I think it's just been tough conditions to start the year, a road trip in cold weather cities and all those kinds of things.
5: Real quick in about 20 seconds, Braves Padres Padres minus 135 on the money line. Braves plus 110 total seven and a half.
9: Yeah, we'll be updating this one live on the run line here tonight. But I do like the over in this game. That was the pick from today's article over eight at even money with Bryce Elder and you Darvish. Ever since they cracked down on foreign substances, Hugh Darvish's spin rates are down significantly. He's given up a lot of home runs. He is a shell of the pitcher that he used to be. Bryce Elder making just his second major league start only has, I think, 26 pro ball starts, period. So I thought that this total of eight was a little bit low here for tonight. Two lineups that make a lot of hard contact, and that's what I'm banking on for this evening's game. So over eight in that one was the play for me.
5: Got about 20 seconds. Any final thoughts, James, as we
7: wrap up the show? I think I'm gonna be rolling with, uh, that's what I wanted to find out from from Adam's perspective on Sunday Night Baseball tonight. I actually have it at seven and a half is the total juice to 20 cents. I think I'm gonna get involved with you, Adam. I'm gonna play that over sitting at seven and a half, juice to $1. twenty. There we go. Maybe I'll sprinkle a little
5: on it. We'll make it a whole show bet here with betting across America. He is Adam Burke. Check him out on the run line, 8 to 10 Eastern with Ben Wilson here at VSEN. Awesome, we appreciate you having us in, we appreciate you joining <laughs> us welcome. in studio.